Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And this portion of Mac and Judd is brought to you by DennisKirk.com. Well, I do. I mean, you know, anytime you see what happened to him and then you see the the little steps, little increments that they take in in the rehab, and then they go to where they progress to finally doing really football kind of movements. Um, I think that's always, always a real big positive step. And, um, it made me feel a lot better about the way he, the way that he's progressing as well. All right. I believe that was Mike Zimmer FaceTiming with Vikings Entertainment Network. From the Barkle Lounger in Kentucky. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, who taught Mike Zimmer how to use FaceTime? They must have a they must Starter, have an intern maybe? down there or something. Maybe a family member. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Collar's hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast, 1500 ESPN. Dot com. So what are, you have an article, you have a bunch of articles always on 1500ESPN.com, but what did you learn in just surveying and sifting through everything from Vikings OTAs last week? Give us, because there's a lot of stuff that, there's a lot of noise in the offseason, a lot of things that we can get excited about that really aren't meaningful. Uh, this probably applies to all forms of training camp and off seasons for all teams. But what 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 did you learn that was maybe meaningful last week? <laughs> Outside of the fact that Mike Zimmer will coach whether he has one eye or two, yes, mm-hmm. which was his, his exact quote: "I will coach whether I have one eye or two. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, Zim is uh, definitely coming back. <laughs> That's one thing we learned. Uh, I think maybe most importantly is that I think the organization legitimately has positive vibes around Laquan Treadwell and Mackenzie Alexander. And I know I read your uh, article, Judd, about off-season hype and things like that, yep. OTAs. That guy's he's looking way better. Like, they always say that because there isn't games for another few months. So. Are there any, like, best shape of his life, uh, Laquan Treadwell, best shape of his life articles that, out there? That's usually for training camp. That's early. Guys have the, yeah, yeah this we're a little is, early for that. This is is Treadwell makes uh, one great catch in an OTA that's open. Vikings.com then puts that on their website. Coordinator then speaks highly of said player, and we're off and running. Yeah. There, there is some of so that. Go ahead, there is some of that, but I will tell you that two quotes from Zimmer, and we know that Zimmer can be very blunt about players and where he stands with them. Uh, two quotes from him in a conference call that stuck out to me: that he was addressing the right issues. He wasn't just saying, "Oh yeah, we're very happy with Laquan. What a great catch that was." He said that Laquan Treadwell is earning the trust of his quarterback, which I thought was important that he said that because that was the issue last year. That Sam Bradford, when he was dropping back, looking to a spot where Laquan Treadwell was supposed to be, he was rarely in the right spot when he even got to play. But even in practice, he wasn't getting it right. 
I mean, we always knew that Laquan was a hard worker, but everybody's a hard worker. Everybody goes to the mountains and runs up them pushing a giant tractor trailer tire. Everybody does it. So there's no, there's nothing to be said for that. But when it comes to actually getting your routes right, that's the real important thing that he struggled with. So saying that stuck out to me like, well, maybe they do legitimately feel like he has made some progress in that area. And with Mackenzie Alexander, that's the more important one because they've got depth at receiver a little yeah, bit now of Michael yeah. Floyd. It'd be a great bonus if Laquan Treadwell blossomed, but Mackenzie Alexander almost has to blossom in 2017. Well, he's the one. See, if you're reading the tea leaves, the offseason tea leaves, you would say, well, maybe some of it's blowing smoke with Treadwell, or they were really not confident that he would come back knowing how to run routes because they went and drafted two wide receivers. They went and signed Michael Floyd. And if they were pumped up about their former first round pick, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't take a risk on a guy who just was in house arrest or might might still be under house arrest. Uh, They wouldn't be doing that if they thought, Oh yeah, it'll be feeling digs Treadwell. Here we go. No, they, they, it wouldn't go that way. So if you're, if you're reading those tea leaves, you'd say, well, maybe it is a little bit of just, well, we're, we're trying to encourage him and we don't want to say anything negative. The opposite for Mackenzie Alexander though. I mean, they did not replace captain Munerlin, which means that Mackenzie Alexander, you're the guy at nickel corner and the one big thing Mike Zimmer said about Alexander, he used the words, he's grown up, which I think was a big issue for him last year. I think he expected to come in, get a bunch of playing time, be a star like he's been probably at every level. And all of a sudden it was like, you got 68 plays. Don't you find it? <laughs> don't you guys find it odd, though? Because the story that he came in with, he, you know, just where he's from, a terrible part of the country mm-hmm. and how he he would he would help his dad even after the draft with just working all day outside these grueling jobs and the story going into training camp was just how mentally mature and and how this guy if you're worried about this guy maybe lacking mental capacity to handle adversity in the NFL that that's not going to be an issue well it seems like that might have been the issue that he just for some reason either didn't retain or um, or thought that he was getting a raw deal in some form. He didn't respond well last year. I took the stories uh, that you wrote, though, Collar, that he was probably very headstrong yes. and thought he knew a lot, mm-hmm. which would make perfect sense, right? I mean, a responsible kid says, I know this, I know that, and all of a sudden you show up here and you don't know a lot, but you still convince yourself that you're going to be smarter than than people think you are. Yeah, he checks off a lot of the character boxes for what he's been through. He's an extremely hard worker, just like Laquan Treadwell. He's very competitive, but headstrong might be the right way to put it. Or just has a chip on his shoulder and doesn't trust people. Right. So coming in and saying you need to listen to Xavier Rhodes, you need to listen to Terrence Newman, you need to listen to Captain Munnerlin. But this is a guy who's been through a lot in his life and maybe just doesn't open himself up to being told what to do. You know, I mean, I think there could be some of that. And he I guess Mike Zimmer said that he talked to the rookies that just came in now about the things he did wrong in year one. So if he's able to, because he is a very bright guy, I've talked to him, I think, he's a, I think he's a smart guy. If he is able to put some of that ego, some of that chip on his shoulder aside and learn how he's supposed to or needs to do from, I mean, they, they have like the greatest defensive back situation of all time with <laughs> Mike Zimmer. Jerry Gray is a great defensive back coach and was a great defensive back in the NFL himself. Pro Bowl player, right? Yeah, I mean, and then Newman is a coach on the field. So if you can't listen to those guys, that was where my big concern was. 
And now we'll see how it goes when we actually get there. But the guy also might be thrilled that he's being set up for a starting job. And that might change your mentality, sure. too. Yeah, I, if, if I'm looking at young players, either prospects in college or just or guys in their first and second year, are they going to take a jump? Are they going to be a quality starter or a pro bowler? Are they going to advance their career in a meaningful way? I'm looking at self-awareness mm-hmm. and ability to admit when you're wrong or when you don't know something. If you can't, if you can't check those two boxes... Then it's pretty unless you're just crazy talented athletically, mm-hmm. and you could just if you're a wide receiver and you can just jump up, and it doesn't matter if you're self aware, you're Terrell Owens, and just throw me the ball. Um, but most positions and most players, if you can't admit that you're wrong, admit that you don't know everything, and if you don't have self awareness to look and see the areas that you're not as good at, then you're going to fail. So if he can't check those boxes, Mackenzie Alexander, it's good to see that he might be checking those boxes. I also think that there, the difference here is very simple. Zimmer is convinced, and maybe he's right, that if he has a young cornerback who he thinks has talent but has struggled, he can fix him. Mm-hmm. If you, In Laquan's case, I think he says to himself, okay, he might be Let's able go to sign be Michael fixed Floyd, by, somebody, <laughs> yeah, right. by somebody else, but perhaps not. I think Zimmer knows that when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, that the fixing is going to have to be done by people other than him. And so the confidence is, okay, if you can do it, great. But if you can't, let's have a backup plan. In Alexander's case, I think Zim is thinking to himself, no, 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 I can get him to achieve. Therefore, I'm not going to go get a veteran backup. There. Yeah, and that might be flying without a parachute a little bit or jumping out of the plane without a parachute because if Alexander doesn't get it and the OTA hype is, like you wrote, can be uh, misleading mm-hmm. at times, then who's next? What do they do? I've seen some people say, oh, you just moved Terrence Newman inside. But Terrence Newman, for as good as he is at knowing the game and everything else, he's never played inside in his entire career, and he's 39 years old. I mean, you know, it could happen, I guess. The (laughs) 39-years-old thing, even if you love his performance and even if he's playing an outside position that he's been comfortable with for two decades, if you're relying on a 39-year-old in the NFL, you're asking for failure. And the cliff is coming. Well, it should have been here five yeah, years ago. I mean, he's going to go off the cliff at some yeah. point, and you're going to say, oh, my God, he's it's gone. And he's switching in and out with Trey Wayans on the outside, which I think is a pretty good situation because I don't think Trey Wayans is going any farther in his career. I think what we saw yes or last year was exactly what Trey Wayans is. He's a great athlete who has a lot of trouble playing the ball, but he can stay tight with guys. I would worry when he plays the Packers and they have a quarterback who's like, oh, uh, your quarterback's running – Leg for leg with our receiver, huh? I'll just throw it right at you anyway because I'm that good. But for the most part, for most weeks that Aaron Rodgers isn't the opposing quarterback, you can get away with Wayans and then have Newman mixing in, and it's a fine situation. With the nickel spot, I don't know who even is the backup there. I mean, George Edwards was asked about this and gave a nothing answer. It was something like, well, we've got a lot of guys. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, who? Who? Like, right, right. Who are these people? And that's the thing. That's where, if this doesn't work out, that it does deserve to be criticized because you didn't bring in some other veteran. Now, there were some veterans out there who probably would have said, I don't want to compete for a job because other people are saying you'll start for sure. But there were even backup-level guys or guys who had some experience and kind of bounced around a little that would have offered you experience at that position that would have been able to compete for a job, and if they didn't win the job, made for good depth. And they decided just not to do that. 
and they didn't draft anybody either. I kind of expected maybe they'll draft a corner at some point, and they only drafted one in the seventh round, and he's probably going to play safety. See, the bad news for Trey Waynes and for Mackenzie Alexander, it's not like you get a buffer. It's not like you have six buffer games where you play the Browns. If you're a cornerback in the AFC East, you play the Jets twice. You play the you might play the Browns once in the AFC. You're going to play. You might you might have half your schedule filled with crappy quarterbacks. The Vikings schedule. There's maybe four soft quarterback spots. The Bears a couple times. I believe they get the Browns. Well, you start with Drew Brees and uh, the Rams. Yeah, yeah. you start with Drew, Drew all the famers and Drew, then Ben Roethlisberger. Drew Brees is going to look at that. Is going to look at that nickel quarter position on opening yes. night and be like, okay, here it comes. And then Big mm-hmm. Ben comes along in uh, September as well, and then Aaron Rodgers a couple times. So it is off season for Mackenzie Alexander and also Trey Wayne's going into his third year. Important in that you don't get to warm up in September. You face Hall of Famers right away. But so. at very least. Zimmer touching on the right issue with Mackenzie Alexander. What you didn't hear is, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. Like, no, there was a problem last year. That's why he couldn't get on the field. And we're working to at least acknowledge and correct that. And if the player can acknowledge the issue, it reminds me of, I I used to talk to baseball scouts a lot. I did play-by-play for minor leagues, and they would just be hanging around. And uh, one of the scouts told me about B.J. Upton. He said he's never seen anyone more gifted physically than B.J. Upton, and he was so good physically that he could still hit 20 dingers and steal 40 bases in his best years. But he said the hitch in his swing was a huge problem, wouldn't listen to anyone, wouldn't acknowledge that it was an issue, and probably could have been a lot better. And Mackenzie Alexander is not a player that has such incredible physical gifts where he could just say, screw it, I'm not going to listen, and I'll still be good. He has to acknowledge there's a problem and listen, and it sounds like that's what he's doing. Matthew Collar hanging out with us. Vikings skill position player projections. Let's go through them when we come back. Sit tight. Whatever it takes. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages on 1500 ESPN. I know uh, Coach Zimmer wants to set up that uh, nothing is given to you here. We try it, you know, Right now, we're beyond the point of, of bringing in as much as we can. I don't know if there's another significant move, but... Rick Spielman talking about how the Vikings are going to win 14 games in 2017. Matthew Collar's hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. And I see... I, I took the bait on this. i got to be honest. Anytime there are projections of mm-hmm. any kind, win-loss projections or or number projections for individual players... I'm in on those. You found them. ESPN put out very early preliminary fantasy football number projections for, I'm sure guessing, did. every skill position player. Uh-huh. And you have this on our website. You have sifted through the Vikings. I'm just going to throw these out, and we can kick them around. Sam Bradford, projected by ESPN, just under 4,000 yards, a career-high 22 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. So taking more chances or getting... Uh, a little bit more unlucky than than last year. So if Bradford went for so two part question thoughts on the actual projection and then if that player performed this way what would what would you think? Yeah, and he ranked twenty fourth among fantasy quarterbacks, which I think anybody who plays fantasy would say yeah that's about right for Sam Bradford based on his entire career. I thought that 
I compared it to what our expectations are in the article, and I thought that one was right on. I think throwing five interceptions over an entire season was basically a product of lots of checkdowns and lots of short throws. And a bad offensive line not allowing you to make those mistakes, maybe. Right. So I think adding Michael Floyd, trying to go down the field a little bit more, that will lead to some more mistakes or bad bounces that don't go his way and a few more interceptions. But somewhere around 4,000 yards, 22 touchdowns. I mean, these are where I think it's reasonable to put Sam Bradford expectations. Mm -hmm. I don't see him as a markedly different quarterback just because you added Riley Reef. I mean, Riley Reef's a real left tackle, unlike TJ Clemmings, but this is not (laughs) Jackie Slater that they brought in here. I mean, he's going to be okay. Brian McKinney, maybe. He's not going to give you some massive, giganto upgrade. And Michael Floyd, I'm not even sure where he's at at all. With his career. So maybe a few more deep balls you'd project in there, but I don't know. And a run game isn't going to affect his stats, I don't think, except for maybe he'd have to throw less. So I say he probably has a very similar year to what he did last year. The subject of the uh, of the picks, though, intrigues me based on this. If you're a Vikings fan, you actually do, you don't mind if they go up a little bit because of the fact that that's going to mean he's taking chances. You I want think, there to be a trade-off, I though, think like, if we can, Right, but I think I think if we go to last year, the one thing that you would get critical of as the season wore on was the fact that as Bradford got more and more skittish and pulled back, you were saying to yourself, every once in a while, take a chance. I mean, this offense, if it's being run correctly, is not going to revolve around Bradford becoming a gunslinger, but it will revolve around him occasionally taking real chances which there were games last year where you could tell he just said, I'm not doing that. And I wonder if they will push him to try and take a few more chances or design offense to put in a lot more opportunities to go down the field or even just 20-yard throws. It doesn't have to be like Cam Newton launching it 50 yards down the field. It doesn't have to be like that old Oakland Raiders offense. It could just be big chunks of yardage. I mean, last year it seemed like he would hit a big deep ball for 30, 40 yards, but everything else was under 10 yards. And I don't think that that's going to be a successful way to do it uh, long term if you want to have a really good pass offense. So I think there will be more of those type of throws now that they're confident in having their left and right tackle have like being okay. They can block. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I, I, I think that should make a difference. But. Historically, with Sam Bradford's career, there's no evidence to suggest that anything will really change. I mean, it's always been a lot of checkdowns, a lot of safe plays, and every other team knows this. So I wouldn't say just because they added a few of these things, oh, all of a sudden he's going to throw 35, 40 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. I, I wouldn't have expectations anywhere near that. If, if, he, if he comes up shy, just in general, of 4,000 yards and plays a full season and throws 12 interceptions with only quote-unquote, 22 touchdown passes and doesn't increase yards per attempt, then this would be a... The Vikings will not be winning 11 games unless their defense is crazy good. Because he's going to be... The the Vikings offense will directly reflect Sam Bradford's performance. It's not going to be, well, but Adrian ran for... Um, it's going to be a more pass-heavy offense. On the running backs, they have 350 carries divvied up like this. Dalvin Cook gets about half of them. Latavius Murray gets 111, and then Jarek McKinnon still gets about 70 carries, with Dalvin Cook running for 737 yards and six touchdowns and catching 30 passes. Uh, Latavius Murray running 111 times for 460 yards, four touchdowns. So bulk of work to Dalvin Cook, 
And then Latavius Murray kind of slots in in that Chester Taylor 2009 role with a sprinkling, a seasoning of Jarek McKinnon. Thoughts? Cook is the hardest one to project because you're never even sure a guy can play in the league. I mean, what was his name? Trent Richardson was, what, the fourth overall pick? For Cleveland, yeah. And, no, third. Third overall pick. Cleveland went, went and traded with the Vikings to make sure they got him. And I watched that guy in college and thought he was unbelievable, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, all of these guys look great in college. So I, if you were doing a projection that year on Richardson, you would have said, 1,200 yards, right? This guy's going to be ridiculous. And he ends up being a giganto bust. So it's always hard to say with rookies, but I think they will put him in a position to have a season like this, that they're not going to say, all right, here's 400 carries for you, buddy. Uh, They're going to weave him in with the other two as a guy that's playing a lot on first and second down, but not having to play every single series. And then maybe in the future, if he shows everything he's projected to have, then he's a 250 type carry guy. But at this point, it's great to have Murray and McKinnon behind him who are both proven running backs. Oh, ye of little faith. Rick Spielman told Sid that Dalvin Cook was going to step in and immediately be great. So come on. Well, he could. Come on. When you tell Sid something, it's got to happen, right? It is possible with his skill set that he could step in and be immediately great, but still only end up with 700 and something yards. Why must you mock everything? Why must you (laughs) pour cold water and mock everything? No, no, I'm saying. I'm telling you guys right now, I picked up my Star Tribune on Sunday, and Sid had had his exclusive with Rick, and Rick assured us that Dalvin Cook's going to be fantastic. Honestly, Dalvin Cook should. He might be very good. If Dalvin Cook were given the workload, he would be in the mix for Rookie of the Year if they gave him the workload. I mean, he's good because he can catch passes. He's going to get the workload. I think I'm it's pretty confident. Of that. But I think it's smarter to have a three-headed monster when yes. you have three guys who can do it. I mean, well, look. this this removes the thing I like about what they've got going now is this: in Murray, they've got a guy who they could tell Cook on third down if you can't do it for a year or so, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because if you put if you put Dalvin Cook out there and say Dalvin, you're a you are a three down back and you're playing all the time. You are setting the kid up to potentially fail in pass protection. This gives them the easy out of saying, okay, first and second down. And eventually, now the thing with Peterson, the problem there was he didn't evolve there. Right. So, if, But if you get cooked to a point where he doesn't have the third down responsibilities this year, and let's say he, they work with him behind the scenes, that's fine. If he can do it in two or three years, that's fine to me. Two years. Uh, wide receivers, gentlemen, according to ESPN's fantasy football projections. I'm just going to go through them real quick, and then uh, you can point out if you if you like them, if you don't, if, 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 if these are the performances, are you going to be satisfied? Stefan Diggs, 83 catches, 960 yards, five touchdowns. Adam Thielen, very similar, 72 catches, 906 yards, four touchdowns. This is where it gets a little weird. Laquan Treadwell, 40 catches, 438 and three touchdowns. And Michael Floyd, 17 catches, 207 and one touchdown. Well, hmm. the Laquan, That'd be a big season for Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, the Laquan Treadwell one, if he ends up with 40 catches, then I think we go, wow, what a season it was for Laquan Treadwell compared to our expectations. You'd be over the moon with that. There's probably a seven-catch game in there. You know, who <laughs> yeah, knows? I mean, right? That's... Uh, that would be thrilling for people to have that type of season after the guy had one catch. I mean, as much as they have talked him up, it's really tough to get your mind around Laquan Treadwell taking a big step forward. I mean, historically speaking, there's only one guy who was drafted in the first round as a wide receiver who had a worse rookie season than Laquan Treadwell. And that guy was literally out of the league like the next year. 
And so, I mean, you have to go back to that. you have to go back to like Johnny Morton for a guy who was drafted high and had a really bad first year. I mean, really, really bad, like less than ten catches, and then became a reasonably decent wide receiver. It usually doesn't happen. This is a position where you should make an impact right away. The top wide receivers will catch sixty to eighty passes in their first year, and he had one. And couldn't get on the field when people were hurt. Stephon Diggs was hurt against Houston, and they put in Jarius Wright instead. Yep. I mean, this says... Trevor had the one catch against the Texans. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that was against Detroit, and what was a catch it was. Was it against Detroit? It was. Oh, that was a, against Houston. Ran a great route. That was a nice um, catch. Three targets all year, though, is... that That's the stat that I will, to my dying day, find remarkable for a first-round pick. Yeah, that says, Three targets. that says a lot. So if he ends up with 40 catches, that means he made huge strides mm-hmm. forward, and then you're thinking of him as a legitimate part of the offense. Right, yeah, and, and, and on the Diggs and Thielen projections, both kind of flirting with 1,000 yards, which they did last year, that makes sense. I think you've got... You have multiple guys who could go for 1,000, but it's probably going to be a really diverse... You're going to see a lot of games where... Eight guys catch a pass where all three running backs catch a pass mm-hmm. where and then to, just to get to the tight ends here, Kyle Rudolph, 76 catches, 756 and seven touchdowns with Bucky Hodges catching 12 for 100 and a touchdown is also on this list. We'll see if Bucky Hodges makes the team. I, he just signed today, by the way. That's your Vikings breaking news that Bucky Hodges has signed his rookie contract. Draft so picture starting to sign the, up, uh, Collar. The nightmare is almost over with the rookie signings. It's nice to have that not be a story, usually. It's been a little bit here with it taking longer, but since yeah, the but NFL it's, did it, it's not a big deal anymore. Slotting, it's fine. Uh, I think Rudolph is going to be the... Uh, victim of all the offseason additions, I think he's going to lose some of his catches. Now, he is the blanket for uh, the safety blanket for Sam Bradford that anytime nobody else is open and there's any pressure at all, he can always dump it down to Rudolph. So he will end up with a lot. But the fact that now they have three running backs who can catch out of the backfield and they added some rookies uh, in the wide receivers who might be uh, Rodney Adams might be a slot guy that you throw screens to. I think Rudolph doesn't get to 83 or what this has him at 76. I don't think he quite gets in that range. I think it's probably more of like the 50 to 60 or at least maybe that's what you'd hope. Right. I mean, I think you want Michael Floyd to get more. They've got him with 17. I think you want him with 35 or 40. You want more deep balls going to Michael Floyd. You want Jarek McKinnon in a position to make plays with the ball because we know he can. Yeah, In general, if your offense, if the running backs and the tight ends catch all of the passes, your offense probably isn't as explosive. If you look at top offenses, wide receivers are going for 1,200, 1,300 because those are the chunk yardage guys that you can really make hay with. Unless you have a freak show tight end, which is what they hope they have. If you have have Gronk or old Jimmy Graham, that's a different story. Rudolph is not one of those guys. Um, People have tweeted in calling Matthew Collar to the carpet for something he wrote two years ago. We have to call him out next. Hang on. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. It's all downhill after this, boys. On 1500 ESPN.